A few weeks ago, if you can remember back, I spoke about the story of Jesus calming the storm in Mark chapter 4. And we talked about how we're still going to face storms in our life. At the minute, collectively, as a nation, as a world, we are facing a storm of COVID and that affects us in different ways. And it's not the absence of the storm that sets us apart, it's the one that we discover in the storm. And I mentioned a quote from a book that has stuck with me over many, many years. And it was talking about how it's possible to be grateful and desperate at the same time. So I'm grateful for what God has done, but I'm desperate for what he can do. And we talked about being grateful about giving thanks and about how that's a way to practice the presence of God. It's a way to remember. It's a way to build our trust in Jesus. So today I thought I would look at that a little bit more about giving thanks. What does that actually mean, giving thanks? And how do we do it more in our lives as we journey with Jesus? So the practice of giving thanks is a way that we practice the presence of God. So thanksgiving, you know, that is a word. And maybe when I say that word, the thing you think of is thanksgiving in America. Maybe your mind goes to that national holiday, which we don't really celebrate here. But I know in America, they eat turkey. They all get together as families. They have certain dishes. But my mind went to this episode of Friends. (laughs) Hopefully you can see the picture on the screen where Joey ends up with a turkey on his head which is not to be advised I can say so Thanksgiving as we think of it in America began as a day of giving thanks and sacrifice through the blessing of harvest and the and the preceding year and if we look up the dictionary the definition of Thanksgiving is the act of giving thanks grateful acknowledgement of benefits or favors especially to God and I was delighted that it said that in the dictionary. So if we turn to our Bibles, giving thanks is mentioned so many times in the Bible and I'm just going to share a few verses with you now. In 1 Thessalonians 5 it says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There's loads about thanksgiving in the Psalms. For example, Psalm 69 verse 30 says, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. Psalm 95 verse 2, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. And in Ephesians 5 20, it says always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ so thanksgiving is mentioned so many times if you start looking out for it when you're reading your Bible you will see it so many times and of course we want to look to Jesus and we're going to look Um, at a few verses in Luke chapter 22. So this is the day before Jesus is going to die. The next day he is going to die. He knows what's going to happen to him and what he does is he takes the last supper with his disciples. So starting at verse 19 of Luke chapter 22 and he took bread, gave thanks and broke it. He gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. Can you actually imagine that? You know that you're going to suffer and die a cruel death. 
you know that one of the people sitting around the table with you who you have spent your life with for the last few years, your friend, is going to betray you. But still, you take bread and you give thanks and you share it with that very person who you know is going to betray you. I was just thinking about that and I just thought, well, I'm not sure thankfulness would be top of my list of reactions or emotions at that point. And in the original language, he gave, th he gave thanks, reads Eucharisteo. I hope I'm saying that properly. I'm not a Greek scholar. But the if we look at that word, the root word of Eucharisteo is charis, meaning grace. And Jesus took this bread and he saw it as grace and he gave thanks. And he took it as a gift and he gave thanks. Um, when Jesus broke the bread and offered the cup, he spoke this beautiful word, Eucharisteo, grace, thanks and joy. So it envelops the Greek word for grace, charis, but it also holds a derivative, which is the Greek word kara, meaning joy. So charis, we find grace, Eucharisteo, that word, thanksgiving, kara, joy. So what if this morning we thought about the fact that deep kara joy is found at the table of Eucharisteo, the table of thanksgiving? So one of Christ's last instructions to his disciples before he dies is to take the bread, to take the wine and to remember. Do this in remembrance of me. He calls them to remember and give thanks and he calls us to do that as well and that is what we're going to be doing today as we take communion. So it's central to our faith to remember to give thanks. And why is that central to our faith? Why is remembering and, and giving thanks so core to our faith? Because remembering with thanks is what causes us to trust, to really believe. Remembering puts us back together in this broken, hurried, hurried and fragmented world. Giving thanks helps us to remember and puts us back together. And you might remember that I spoke about this before and I'm sorry, not sorry for repeating it again because we forget, don't we? We, we forget, we forget to remember. And I read before in Revelation 2 verse 4, I have held this against you. Oh, sorry. Yes, I have this against you. You've abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. And we talked about those three things. Remember, repent and do. And this COVID, like, to me, it just feels so costly. It feels so relentless. It feels like, oh, you know, I've been talking to people during the week and it's not just people who have COVID or who are sick with that illness. It's the knock on effect to other people, to people who are in hospital with other things, to people who can't see their own mum for months because of COVID, because they're in a care home, who are talking to them from outside through a window. This COVID is so costly and that's why as we do life with Jesus, we need to remember his word, remember his promises. We need to let our faith be bigger than our fear, repent and turn to the Lord and do the things we did at first. Worship him, abandon ourselves to him, lay our lives down, pray and give thanks. We also see another time in the Bible, Jesus giving thanks. And it's this same word, Eucharisteo, and it's in Matthew chapter 14. 
starting at verse 17, and and we read, We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said, and he told the people to sit down in the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about five thousand men, besides women and children. So just imagine that, five loaves and two fishes. A boy's packed lunch becomes more than enough when Jesus gets his hands on it. And it says he gave thanks, Eucharisteo. So Jesus embraces what is not enough and he gives thanks. And when he gives thanks, there is more than enough. So thanksgiving, Eucharisteo, always precedes the miracle. And when we give thanks, thanksgiving creates abundance. And a miracle of multiplying happens when we give thanks. And um. I just want to say I have learned so much about Thanksgiving from a book I read a few years ago um, by Anne Voskamp. I've got it here. It's called One Thousand Gifts and I read it again as I was preparing for today. And one thing that struck me was when you talk about Thanksgiving, you know, you say, oh, giving thanks and Whenever I picked up this book and I started reading it, I was like, oh yeah, giving thanks, what's this going to be like? But part of me was thinking, how can you give thanks when there's so much pain? You know, how can you give thanks, especially right now when the world seems in chaos and people we know are struggling? How do I fully live and give thanks when when life is actually full of hurt? And what I learned from reading this book and from from Anne's story that she so honestly shares that it's possible to find blessing even in pain. The very first chapter of this book starts with a story of profound pain. She talks about the accidental death of her little sister who was only a small child at the time and how it affected her whole family you know her father turned his back on God her mother had to go into hospital multiple times for specialist help and you know the question was asked how can there be a gift even in the face of intense personal tragedy and Anne talks about this in the book and she talks about the ache of this wounded world how there's things we might not understand we might never understand till we get to heaven and she shows that God is with us in pain and meets us in the place of pain so how do we find gratefulness when we weep and We can find comfort to know that in the midst of our pain, our God is keeping a list. He records our misery. It says in the Bible, he lists our tears and that can change us in our perspective. I love the Passion Translation in Psalm 56, verse 8. It says, you've kept track of all my wandering and my weeping. You've stored my many tears in your bottle. Not one will be lost for they are all recorded in your book of remembrance. So Anne says, God does not slumber for he cannot cease to bear testimony to our heart. God keeps a list. It's a wildest love that drives the father to record his child's every lament. We never ache without God attending and he can't stand to see a tear fall to the floor. God cups our grief and puts our tears in his bottle. That's so powerful. 
You know, Christ went through unimaginable pain on the cross, separated us from his father. And that's how he can understand our pain. He gave his life to understand our pain. So when we remember hurt, when when we say remember and the first thing we remember is hurt and we feel weak, God's strength can come. His strength is made perfect in our weakness and his nail-pierced hands can help us up. And that means it's safe to trust So we can give thanks even in the midst of pain because there's a good God leading. And sometimes it might not even feel like that. Sometimes we might not see it in the time. We might not realize till years later, but God is with us. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I find in the darkest places where we're suffering, that's where we meet God in a way that we might not when things are actually going well. So as Paul said yesterday, I went to the women's conference at Causeway Coast Vineyard. Well, I say went. I was in my own living room watching it on an iPad. But it was so inspiring. And there was a lady there who spoke. Um, she's from America with the powers of technology. This can happen online. She's called Catherine Wolf, And she's written a book called Hope Heals. And that, I've been following her on an Instagram, actually. So I was really looking forward to hearing her speak. And this lady had a stroke in her 20s she was a mother of one and it totally changed her life she she spends most of her life now in a wheelchair and at that time she had to relearn everything she had to relearn how to talk how to eat and she described how she was watching other people look after her baby well she was just she couldn't do anything and how painful that was her story was incredible that's a picture of her there And some of the things she said just really hit me. You know, she said, it's okay to have sorrow in your story and it may not be redeemed until heaven. Like what happened to her will always be a part of her story. But hope got her through. Hope got her through these difficult times. She knew that God was with her and she reminded us that light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And this really blew me away. She said, We need to disrupt the myth that joy can only be found in the pain-free life. She has found joy in her life, even though this awful thing happened to her and she continues to deal with that and live with that. And she shared these verses from Habakkuk 3, verse 17 and 18. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the sheepfold and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. And, you know, we could insert so many things there, you know, instead of the fig tree not budding, though, you know, unemployment strikes or someone's ill. You know, there's so many things, especially right now, we could insert there. But yeah, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Saviour. And I love what Anne Voskamp says. Gratitude isn't only a celebration when good things happen. Gratitude is a declaration that God is good no matter what happens. That just blows me away. Gratitude isn't only a celebration when good things happen. 
Gratitude is a declaration that God is good no matter what happens. And when I was reading this book, to be honest, it felt like to me like a wrestle, like she's wrestling to work all that out. When I was reading it, I was wrestling in my head to work it all out because that's a hard thing to say, isn't it? And it all started for her because a friend dared her to make a list. Could I write a a list of a thousand things I love, a thousand things? And she might have thought to herself, another list, like I've already got a list for Thanksgiving, I've already got my to-do list, I've got a Christmas list. But she starts to write this list of a thousand things. And you know, they're not always big things. So I thought I would start to write a list of things I'm grateful for and things I'm thankful for. And they don't have to be big things at all. It could be small things. So things like friendship, bird song through a window in the morning, homemade soup, soft bread, a walk by the sea, a thought-provoking conversation, a wee dog who makes me laugh, a warm hot water bowl. And if you read Anne Voskamp's, hers are much more poetic because she lives in a farm. Hers are like a shaft of light through a sheaf of corn or something like that. But, you know, it's not about being grateful for the big picture things. It's about being grateful for every small thing that every gift that God gives she's on this journey and it's so rich and deep where she learns about thanksgiving and grace and joy and eucharisteo and I, I couldn't believe it because I'm obviously thinking about all this this week thanksgiving and I came across this other thing and it said gratitude is a muscle so it's something that you have to exercise and grow in and it doesn't come naturally really to lots of us let's face it probably some of us it is easier isn't it to grumble to moan you know and even yesterday I'll be honest you know I was thinking about eliminate the conference and I was like oh it's online oh I'm gonna be sitting by myself watching it oh I just want to be at Causeway Coast with all the girls and we get to worship you're in a room of a thousand women and everyone's worshiping you get to go out and have a nice dinner you know I was like oh it's gonna be you know I was thinking of I was just grumbling and thinking negatively a bit (laughs) but like I couldn't believe it yesterday, like sitting in a room with an iPad by myself and I could experience the presence of God. You know, some of the things those women said blew me away. There was a conversation between Tori from Cosway Coast Vineyard and Dana Masters from Lagan Valley Vineyard and my heart was sore after listening to it. It was so powerful. So I had to change my attitude and be grateful and thankful, you know, Thank you, God, that you met me in my house. Thank you for technology that made that possible. Thank you for those women sharing their hearts. Thank you for the team that took a risk to do an online conference. Thank you that my family left me in peace to let me watch it. Thank you for a conversation that moved my heart so much that it actually hurt. You know, so I... I need to learn gratitude. I need to reframe what I'm thinking. And as Anne learned this through making her list of a thousand gifts, I just feel like we need to find a way to learn this because it doesn't always come naturally and we need to choose. And then I thought of Paul in Philippians 4 that, you know, him saying, I have learned. So if we look at verse 11 to 13, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. 
I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So gratitude in the midst of whatever we're facing, death, divorce, debt, you know, that's a language that we have to learn how to speak because storms will come and life happens to us. But to be to learn how to be grateful or happy, whether our hands are full or our hands are empty, that is a secret worth spending a life on learning. So guys, I just want to encourage you this morning. We need to practice this ourselves. Like, I don't know if you want to start writing a list of a thousand things you're thankful for. Maybe you could start with 10 or 100 <laughs> But, you know, we need to find a way to do this in our lives. Um, this booklet, I have mentioned it before, How to Spend Time with Jesus. Like part of what they say in this is when you're spending your time with God each day, think of three things you're grateful for and then recall them during the day and allow yourself to feel joy because of those things during the day. I've still got some of these, by the way. Email me if you want one posted out. So what I'm really asking you today is how will you learn this? How will you put it into practice? You know, life with Jesus isn't just like tuning in on a Sunday morning and saying, look, that's nice, isn't it? Oh, Paul's talk was lovely today or Chantel or whoever. And then just going on about your week. It's about incorporating this into our journey, into our story, practicing these things so that it gives us a firm foundation so that we've got something to stand on. You know, that girl, Catherine Wolfe, yesterday, it really struck me because she said someone asked her, in, in, when you were facing that, did you ever just think, I can't do this anymore? And she did describe, she got to this really dark place where she was watching other people look after her baby and thoughts started to come into her head like, oh it would be better if I wasn't here or I'm just a burden and she said if I wasn't here he could have a new mum gosh that really got me but the thing that came into her head was the truth I am chosen God loves me all these verses that she'd known throughout her whole life came into her head at that point and replaced those lies with truth so I'm just saying this because we need to practice these things. We need to have these things firm in our hearts so that when the storms come, we have truth ingrained in here. We have a foundation to stand on so that when the enemy tries to come at us, we have something firm. So how do we learn to give thanks in the pain? How do we learn the secret of being content, whether in plenty or in want? So every day is a new day. Every day is a day we get to rejoice in, to be glad, and we get to choose radical gratitude. The practice of giving thanks, a daily intentional practice of giving thanks, that is a way to practice the presence of God, to stay present to his presence. You know, literally counting our blessings helps us to see the one who we can count on, that Jesus who is present in the boat with us, Jesus who calms the storm. So in these days, if we want to withstand the storm, we need to stay close to Jesus. We need to practice his presence, practice gratitude, thanksgiving, and remember, remember the good things he has done for us and find joy. 
So God asks us to give thanks in everything because this is how you will live through anything. That version Thessalonians says give thanks in all circumstances and that is a way to help us live through anything. And I'm just going to finish now by reading Psalm 100 to you and then we are going to take communion and then we're going to worship. And I just, you know, I was thinking about worship as well. You know, worship isn't just singing a song. Worship is giving glory to God and worship is a way to help us remember. You know, so many of the Psalms are like extol him in song, give thanks And as we do that, it helps us remember, it helps us be grateful, it helps us give thanks and it draws us into the presence of God. So I just want to read Psalm 100 and it's entitled A Psalm for Giving Grateful Praise. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations.